We reject the ideology of globalism, and we embrace the doctrine of patriotism. Not only will this tax plan pay for itself, but it will pay down debt. There are moral and legal obligation questions that I think we'll have to wrestle with as a society. When we as people go wobbly on the truth, we go wobbly on America. All you have to do is look at the numbers, look at what we've done. And this is only the beginning. What's up, everybody? You're tuned in to Evidence of Design on 100.9 FM WXIR. My name is Jason Taylor. Joined via Zoom are my good friends and co-hosts, Matt Treadwell. Uh. And Mary Lawrence. Hello. Matt, just giving the primal scream of humanity. That's how we're feeling nowadays. Uh. <laughs> I'm glad you're still around. <laughs> What's our show about? Why are you tuned into Evidence of Design? You are here because we are the coolest kids on the block when it comes to critiquing income and wealth inequality in Rochester, New York. Woo. Are we the only kids doing that? Um, not, you know, now uh, there's some other folks, but we're we're up there for the coolest. A totally objective, you know. Is that because system. it's 17 degrees out right now? I'm nice, pretty cool. Mary. Keep it up, and you're gonna go places. That is awesome. I mean, you're already places, but you're going to go even farther. We are certainly one of the coolest folks around. Uh, we critique income and wealth inequality, not just in Rochester, but also nationally and globally. Folks, there's way too much economic inequality out there. The top 1% of folks in the U.S. control more than 50% of all of the income. It's not good. More than half of all of the income goes to just 1% of the people. It's even worse with wealth. Uh, the wealthiest 10% of people in the United States controls 70% of the nation's wealth. The bottom 50% of Americans controls essentially just 1% of the nation's wealth. We live in ridiculously unequal times, uh, not just in race or sex, unfortunately, along with other identity markers, but especially due to economics. It's too unequal. We investigate what causes this inequality. We critique its effects, and we suggest places that we can go to make it so we live in a more just and equitable society. Thanks for joining us. We are pre-recorded because we're still not liking how COVID-19 is looking out there. So this show is recorded on Thursday, January 28th, 2021, and is first airing on Saturday, January 30th. Normally, we'd invite you to call in, but we can't because we're pre-recorded. On today's show... Boy, you know, 2021 keeps getting better. The first week of 2021, the, the world finally gets to see uh, the, 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 the intellectual and moral bankruptcy of the Trump presidency manifesting in a bunch of, um, a bunch of people invading the U.S. Capitol because they don't believe in facts. That was fun. And then yeah. you get into you get I, into I I didn't think this year could get any better than Karen Bloodhoof and a bunch of 4chan scrubs storming the Capitol and live streaming themselves. But I was wrong. It's this not, year's gonna be great. Not even 4chan, Matt, but 8chan. It's twice as chan. <laughs> it's twice as bad. 
you know, that's not even the story, though. Remember, we covered that. And, and the real story was the fact that these these uh, protesters, you know, their goal was to get the, the Republicans not to certify the election results before they stormed the Capitol. There was going to be like, what, 15 senators to not certify the results. Well, after they stormed the Capitol because of the uh, the, the the optic the optical backlash <laughs> against what they did, only 10 senators voted to not certify the free and fair results of our democracy. So, And also because Republican senators actually hate the people that vote for them. Yeah, Republican they senators... Republican senators hate. I, I don't. I don't know what they. Yeah. I don't. I don't know what Republicans stand for besides power and money. So, they hate a lot of stuff, <laughs> and their supporters are certainly one of them. Their constituency, whether or not they, whether or not their constituency realizes that. So you know, we had that the first week. The second week this year, we had um, we had Bernie Sanders memes. That was like the best thing. Right. I, I have photos of the, that Bernie Sanders meme all over. I have the T-shirts decked out in it. Um, it. It's the greatest thing ever. And uh, my favorite part of that saga was when um, Bernie Sanders, you know, took that famous image of him at inauguration, all cozied up with his, um, you know, grandpa attire. And then he puts on a T-shirt to sell it to raise money for charity. And then someone uh, commented, on his efforts to do so and was like oh see bernie sanders can't do this without capitalism it's because of capitalism that you can sell stuff and like the, the best part about that is it, it, capitalists don't give away 100 percent of profits as bernie sanders did in charity so <laughs> it's just um the, the brain deadery is amazing of what's it's going the on kind of thing that makes me want to remodel my home and by remodel, I mean punch a hole through a wall. <laughs> it gets even better, though, because here we are on today's show. I forgot. What are we even here for? GameStop stocks are the best things I've ever seen in my life. We're going to talk about what's going on with GameStop, why it has seen a meteoric rise in stock value over the past week or so, and what is going on with the reaction from the establishment, ergo, uh, the mainstream financial media, along with investors, hedge funds, and the investment corporations. It is a phenomenal story we should be paying attention to. We're going to cover that on today's show. Again, thanks for joining us on 100.9 FM WXIR. But Matt, there's other things in the news, of course, as always, other things that are also not so hot for uh, everyday working folks. I think this week, one of those stories has to do with Lyft. Tell us, just remind us, Matt, what is Lyft and what's going on with them? So this week in labor news, uh, Lyft, which is a ride-sharing company like Uber, a company that makes an app and then employs a number of people that it doesn't call employees to use the app to drive people around town. Um, recently, we, we talked about how Uber and Lyft mounted a multi-million dollar campaign, $200 million campaign, in order to pass Proposition 22 in California, which essentially allows them to continue to treat their gig workers, their drivers, as contractors and not as full employees. And the difference being, of course, that employees are uh, uh, legally obligated to get certain um, rights and, and uh, uh, protections and, uh, you know, benefits as employees of a company. If, in the case of contract workers, they have no such legal uh, obligation to provide those. Now, what Lyft has done, it's in, unveiled its new 
priority driving priority mode is new priority mode which was announced back in september and i believe first implemented earlier this month essentially they're billing it as you know you can take a 10 percent pay cut in your hourly rate and in exchange lyft will allow you the driver to have priority over other drivers in your area when it comes to being hailed for a ride uh, one has to wonder why this mode is being implemented to begin with. Especially at a time when nobody is using these apps because of the, the pandemic. And of course, the uh, response by the Lyft driving community has been uh, a complete backlash. Many report uh, not being able to get any requests without having priority mode turned on. Whether that's a result of Lyft just, you know, uh, using their own software to essentially get these drivers to not even be able to see any requests or whether it's just the result of a bunch of drivers signing on for priority mode and the rest of the people who don't being uh, just ghosted out of a job. I don't know which it is, but... Uh, all I do know is that it's very bad and very unfortunate and very sad, and I don't like it. Jason. This is an incredible story. So the, the change that Lyft is proposing here, just to say again, Matt, is that they, they are offering. <laughs> it's always about choice, right? They're so generous. <laughs> generous with their, with their options and their choices. Now, as a, a, an employee of Lyft, which you, of course, uh, are, are <laughs> you're not even an employee, but, you know, heaven forbid you critique the fact that Lyft exists because it's generous of them to even have the option for you to have employment. So, uh, you know, as someone who can make money through your labor through this company called Lyft, uh, now you have an option of what mode you want to do while you're working. And this new option now is you can, you'll get paid 10% less, <laughs> but- I mean, it's just like, you wanna work? You're gonna take a pay cut. That, that's it, that's the, that's the choice you have. Yeah, I mean, so, so you know, here, here's the choice is you, you take a 10% pay cut for an hourly rate but you get more rides. So what that means is you make less. So this is literally what it means. You make less money, but work harder. That's literally what it means. That That's the opposite of how capitalism is supposed to work, where that if you are working harder and you are more productive, you're supposed to get more money. That's the entire principle of capitalism where the more productive you are, whether you as an individual or a business, you get more money. That's how it works. In this instance, Lyft is reversing it on its head and showing again, just like these insurrectionists who invaded the capital, how morally and intellectually bankrupt our societal institutions are, that you will get paid less for more work. Yeah, all I'm saying is that it's, it's, a, really, it's a really good thing that we have so much less regulation in the tech sector so that we can have all these great innovations like priority mode and Lyft happening. Yeah, great. Love it. I mean, the best part about Lyft, right, was that it was supposed to get cars off the road. And so there'd be less cars out there, right? I mean, th that was the whole idea. Because instead of investing in, in public transportation or non-fossil fuel means of transportation, you would just have more cars. 
<laughs> of people who are doing more work for less money. That is what we get out of um, the gig economy with, with things like this. <laughs> I think the best thing about this is is just sort of tangential for me, at least, because I found out uh, through researching this story that Uber and Lyft, they weren't even making money before the pandemic. They're, they are notoriously unprofitable companies. Yeah, I think how a lot of these tech companies start out with is just tons and tons and tons of debt. I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, that's how Amazon started out with, where you're just sort of not profitable until you essentially control the market. You know, now Amazon is the market for online retail in, in many ways. And so now they're tremendously pop, you know, uh, profitable. And so I, I guess the theory for Uber and Lyft is that you know, taxi companies will go away and they'll continue to rely on politicians and uh, major corporations to not invest in public transportation. So then the only way to get from point A to point B is to call up Uber and Lyft, which are, I don't understand why there's even two different companies. I never understood that why there's Uber and Lyft, you know, I guess it's in the idea of competition, but like, I don't understand even the difference between Uber and Lyft. Like why call one or the other? There is much of a difference. I think they just, I think when they started, they were in different places. Right. Yeah. So it's the same it's just like it's a simulcrum of competition and choice. It's the same. It's just it's just one monopoly. You're just choosing between monopolies. You know, oh, you want to order stuff online, you go through Amazon. Oh, you want to do search engines, you uh, you go through Google. Oh, you want to have social media, you go through Facebook. Oh, you want to get from point A to point B, and you you can't use public transportation because nothing is owned societally anymore and funded by public dollars. You take Uber or Lyft, right? That that's you want meat, you go through Tyson. It, it's all sort of the same flavor. It's just in each little piece of the market, you know, each little individual thing is carved up. What a phenomenal story uh, to keep our eyes on. There's others too. We, we heard that this week, Amazon might be uh, one of their warehouses in Alabama. In fact, uh, they are voting on whether or not to become the first unionized employees of Amazon ever. In the U.S., yeah, in the U.S., that's a that's a really cool story, uh, and, and a less cool story. Uh, Instacart is apparently laid off um, a bunch of their workers who voted to unionize. So, if we can say laid off, right? Because again, they're I guess they are not technically employees. Because uh, again, one of the things in capitalism that you were you were guaranteed certain protections as a laborer, ergo by being an employee, but not even that's guaranteed anymore. So not only are you not guaranteed protections as a laborer, but uh, you're no longer guaranteed the I don't even know what to call it the logic the that's just the idea that you get paid more money for how productive you are. They were let go and Instacart cited irreconcilable differences. Yeah. <laughs> because they, they actually want to have a livable wage and protections as laborers. Well, shall we get to our, the feature of, of this week's show, which is, again, you're listening to Evidence of Design on 100.9 FM WXIR in Rochester. <laughs> Let's talk about GameStop. Or should I say... Game stock. Ooh. Thanks, Mary. Oh, you know, that's what I'm here for. We're still cool kids, right? You're almost 30. Only if you have game stock. I'm wearing a silk bag right now. I was thinking about it. <laughs> well, let's talk about game stock. Uh, <laughs> 
I don't know if you've seen this in the news. This has been the best thing since Bernie Sanders uh, wearing mittens. For the past 10 years, GameStop, their stock value has been around $20 a share for the past 10 years. You want to buy one share of GameStop stock, 20 bucks. Over the past week, GameStop share prices have exploded. They reached a historical high of around $460 a share. That's 24 times their normal price. In the summer of last year, they were like $4 a share. So it went up literally 10,400%. It's insane. Why is this all happening? It's really quite complicated. And I don't pretend to understand it. But here's the point is that there's nothing really to understand about it in, in some regards because the stock market is made up and, and money is made up. And when we're about to describe this financial institution that we all sort of accept as reality, it doesn't actually exist. And the money that is being made or lost on the stock market you know, can exist. It can be liquidated, meaning turned into cash that you can use to you know, pay off student loans. Well, you know, the stock brokers don't have student loans, of course. Uh, it can be used to buy cars, houses, Rolex watches, and boats, or you know, pay off student loans and buy cat food. So uh, what's happening with GameStop is that at the end of last year, well, let me back up. I'm sorry. So GameStop, many people probably know GameStop is a, is the largest uh, video game brick and mortar retail seller in the United States. There used to be others used to be, um, I don't know. uh, EB games, man. Uh, What's the one that used to rent uh, blockbuster. blockbuster. Right. Uh, yeah, people remember that. Totally. And, uh, you know, locally there's Game Craze in Rochester. That's, that's a sm- small private company, I think. Uh, but, but GameStop is by and large the monopoly of brick and mortar video game retailers. And you find them in, in local strip malls and, and in all that stuff. So, so GameStop has been struggling for a while because of online retail. Folks can just go online, order a game through Amazon, uh, or there's all of the streaming services now for games. So many people own video games without getting physical copies. If you have well, a- I think the only streaming service is Stadia, right? Uh, Xbox has their own as well. Um, well, they have their Microsoft. they have their online stores. Does Xbox have, actually have games streaming? I I thought they did, but what you know whether or not we're streaming or not, the point is you can still sort of buy virtual games without owning a physical copy of things, yeah. and so that hurts GameStop because they their their product is the physical game copies, right? So uh, they've been struggling for a long time. And at the end of last year, when their stock was pretty low, again, we're talking four, five, six, seven dollars a share. Uh, One of the founders of Chewy, for those of you who have pets, you might know that Chewy sells uh, pet food and, you know, other pet retail things that you can get delivered to your door. Uh, Really profitable pet company. Now they're essentially the pet monopoly for uh, pet suppliers. Uh, the, one of the founders of Chewy then uh, became uh, on the board and affiliated with GameStop and invested in some GameStop stock saying that if GameStop does this, if GameStop does that, if it transitions more into the online retail world, it will, um, uh, it will bounce back and be profitable. 
So GameStop stock rose a little bit at the end of last year because of that guy from Chewy being coming involved in GameStop. And so the stock rose from, you know, five bucks a share to, to 10 to $12 a share. So it went up a little bit, but still below its historical average. Here's the thing. Here's where we get into the finance world, if we're not there already. Uh, wealthy hedge funds. Hedge funds are these giant speculative financial institutions whose sole product, <laughs> if you can even call it a product, that they buy and sell is portfolios of assets. If that doesn't make sense to you, it's because it doesn't make sense to begin with. But the idea is that you you buy and sell a lot of financial stocks, bonds, and other instruments like that. And so uh, what, a couple hedge funds bet that GameStop would actually not be profitable. And they, they, saw, they saw GameStop stock rise a little bit and they said, uh-uh, that's, that's an inflated small, a small bubble, but still an inflated bubble. And they did what's called a short sell, meaning they are going to bet that the GameStop stock is going to decline in price. So a bunch of wealthy hedge funds are betting that GameStop is going to lose money. And, and how does a short sell work? Well, I'm going to read to you um, from an article by Doug Henwood. He's an author who uh, wrote, The GameStop bubble is a lesson in the absurdity and uselessness of the stock market. That's on Jacobin of this week. This is by Doug Henwood of what a short sell is. So um, a, a short Sale is a bet that a stock or any other speculative asset like bonds or golds is going to decline in price. But to make that bet, you have to sell something you don't already own, which is not normal behavior. To accomplish this, you have to borrow the stock from somebody who does own it. And as with any loan, you have to pay interest on the borrowed asset. And you also have to keep some collateral on the deposit with your broker as an insurance you're good for the money. The hope is that the price will fall and you can buy the shares or cover the short in the jargon at a lower price. Your profit would be the difference between the original sale price and the closing purchase price minus any interest paid on the borrowed asset. I'm just gonna Definitely stop reading there. Fun. Yeah, so, so that makes no sense, right? Unless you actually study accounting or economics, even if you study those things, um, it still probably doesn't make sense. And this is what we call legal gambling. Yes. <laughs> right. Because all the financial market is in the stock market is literally gambling. That's all it is, is gambling. And so so what's going on here with these hedge funds is, is simply gambling. Uh, by the way, the 2008 global financial crisis was essentially caused by wealthy gamblers, They're the top 1% gambling away our lives. That, that's what's happening. And so um, let's, let's fast forward to right now and, and what, what's going on today. So remember, we have these hedge funds who are betting through the short sell that GameStop stock is going to decline. A bunch of folks on Reddit, uh, on, on the Wall Street's bets page, sort of saw this happening and was like, uh-uh, let's screw these guys over. Let's screw these hedge funds guys over and make it so that the GameStop stock rises. That way, these hedge fund guys are going to lose a whole bunch of money, and we are tired of being screwed over by hedge funds, whose essentially whole purpose is to manipulate the market so they can make 
money, you know, billions of dollars every year off financial instruments. And they do short sales all the time. They band together all the time to ruin companies and, and even other countries sometimes. Google vulture capitalism to look into that. Uh, and so, you know, a bunch of people on Reddit wanted to band together and rise the GameStop stock to screw over these hedge fund guys. As of Thursday, January 28th, it's working. The one hedge fund in particular had to borrow $2.78 billion because they lost so much money off of their, uh, you know, their GameStop short sell. That was Melvin Capital that had to do that. And uh, many of the other short sellers have already, you know, backed out of, of the GameStop um, issue. They have essentially settled for their losses and moved on. So, you know, why should we care about the story about GameStop? Because it is a phenomenal lesson in how absurd the stock market and our financial lives are. As Matt, you said, it is essentially legalized gambling. And when stocks rise or fall, it means nothing to the vast majority of Americans. It literally means nothing. Because who owns the stocks in the United States? The bottom 50% of Americans own less than 1% of all of the net worth of stocks in the entire United States. The top 10% of wealthiest individuals in the United States control 90% of all of the stock value. So, you know, when you flick on the news and you see journalists and all these news media reports on the stocks, the Dow Jones and the S&P 500, and they report on them with the same frequency as they do the weather, that is literally evidence of the fact that we live in a broken economic system that cares about the interests of the wealthy at the expense of the vast majority of Americans who are laborers. And it's, not, it's, it's not even, it doesn't exist. It's not real money. It's, it's just like, it's all imaginary and it's just circulating amongst these, these Morlocks while they... <laughs> yeah it's not it's it's not being it doesn't go back into anything it's not invested in anything it doesn't produce anything it's just a way for rich people to to shoot to to just piss in a stream and and uh waste their lives away while they make fat loads yeah i mean it's certainly (laughs) can become liquid as we've talked about you know people people become legitimate billionaires off this stuff you know elon musk gained 100 billion dollars in value last year it's not like he has that sitting in a bank account you know one with a bunch of zeros after it he he holds it in stock wealth so in theory if he liquidated his assets right now he would be 160 billionaire or something And so it, it's, it matters, though, because this money, Matt, here's the point that you're raising, I think, is that this money could be going somewhere, right? It exists. Like this stuff does exist because we ascribe a value to it. 
if, if we want money to mean something, then we, 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 we give it a value by pretending it exists. You know, when, when Elon Musk goes to cash in his $160 billion in stocks, someone could theoretically tell him, no, sir, you, I don't trade in Pokemon cards. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> you, you, I don't know what you're trying to tell me here. You, you've, you've shown me a screenshot of, <laughs> you know, a Google spreadsheet <laughs> that says Elon Musk owns $160 signs. <laughs> you know, it's like that. We could just say that doesn't mean anything. We could also say as a society that healthcare shouldn't cost anything you know we don't have to put a price tag on healthcare, and you can say oh how are you going to pay doctors how are you going to have them show up you fund them through taxation right they still get paid if we want to still live in a society that runs off of a of a, of a dollar-based system they can still get paid and one of the great ways they could get paid through taxation is by taxing financial transactions like the ones that we're talking about and Bernie Sanders and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez have been talking about doing such a thing like that. They're proposing to have a financial tax on financial transactions that could raise billions of dollars every single year. But, uh, but of course, the, 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 the 1%, the 10%, the 10% of Americans who own 90% of all the stocks don't want that to happen. I just want to correct what I said earlier uh, in case this is the episode that goes viral and I get reamed in the comments. <laughs> Um, when I say it's imaginary, it doesn't exist. I'm saying that like uh, GameStop's stock has, as Jason said, risen to a historical high of $460 a share. That is not based on anything that GameStop has done as a business or any or any like indicator of how well they are doing as a company. That's solely based on all these people banding together to just buy these imaginary things that can be traded in for money at some point but it's not like it's actually worth that, but it is because all these people are, are gaming the system in this way. And it's, yeah, it's infuriating. I mean, it, I, I think it's funny. It's funny that it's happening to all these hedge fund guys and stuff, but this is like, this is what happens every day. Not necessarily in this manner, but these, these numbers are just manipulated by, as I said, the Morlocks to, to uh, enrich themselves for for no discernible reason or or having any real basis in in anything. That, that's a phenomenal point. I want to jump on that after just reminding folks that you're tuned in to Evidence of Design on 100.9 FM WXIR in Rochester. We're talking this week about GameStop stock prices and how they've reached historic highs because a bunch of folks on Reddit have banded together against the wealthy predatory hedge funds who thought that GameStop stock or who bet on GameStop stocks falling and so these folks on reddit banded together to raise the stocks it's a brilliant metaphor and lesson in the little guy versus the big guy or the laborers versus the capitalists now you, you just mentioned something really important that gamestop's stock has changed in hundreds of billions of dollars without the company doing anything different it's, it's not more productive, right? The whole logic of capitalism, again, is that your stock price will rise if you're more productive and more profitable. 
that it's not happening with GameStop. It's the same thing that we talked about with Lyft, where that workers should make more money, the more profitable they are. Instead, Lyft offers their employees a new so-called choice where they can make less money to do more work. We're seeing the same broken phenomenon in um, in the stock market where we know, I mean, this is why this is such an important and brilliant example of what's going on with GameStop stocks is because it's evidence that this doesn't, it doesn't matter. <laughs> None of it exists. It's all stupid. And this money could be going to places that actually benefit human beings, like investing in public transportation, like fighting climate change, like providing universal health care, like providing universal basic income. It all could be doing that because we, we make it up. Every single morning we wake up, we invent the economy. We invent the stock market. And so we could do that if we wanted to. And the thing is, in some ways it used to work. And, and this is where I get arguments with people all the time where, you know, if, if we want to go into our corners and say, well, you're a socialist or you're a capitalist, like I, I'm, I would love to see more socialized things. I would love to see more socialism, you know, however that manifests. I'm not saying we blow up all of capitalism. I am. I'm full-blown communist, baby. Yeah, there, I mean, Marxist sure. Revolution. You know, sure, and I, I'm not interested in getting that weeds of the isms. My point is, like, more things should be in the interest of people and not money. You call whatever ism you want. I, I'm all for that, you know. So here's the thing. Uh, capitalism used to work better let's say in the 50s, 60s, 70s, it wasn't perfect at all. But back then, uh, productivity did rise with profits. And so that's why economic inequality was so much less then, because uh, the, you know, the, the logic sort of worked out, where uh, more productive you were, the more you got paid. The more productive you were, the more profitable your company. What happened after the 1980s with Ronald Reagan and the neoliberal, neoliberal revolution that has completely screwed over our planet has been um, productivity and capital are entwined to some regard, meaning uh, you know productivity has continued to rise and the capitalists, owners of the businesses and the assets have continued to get wealthier and wealthier, but laborers have stayed the same with their total wealth and income, if not shrunk. So for the past 40 years, somehow, we've all become more profitable. You know, we, we, we aren't making less things in 2021 than we were in 1980. We aren't dumber in 2021 than we were in 1980. We might be. <laughs> yeah, you're right. In every regard, we are more productive, but most people are not more profitable because the inherent system is broken and what's going on with GameStop stocks or, you know, Lyft's uh, new option or these, um, <laughs> these insurrectionists invading the capital are, are evidence of a broken um, system in society of, of things not working out the way they should for, for the vast majority of Americans. So maybe and, we should talk about Robin Hood. Yeah, Matt. So, he, so, the critics of what's going on with GameStop, meaning the critics of the people on Reddit who are, you know, banned together to buy GameStop stocks and thereby send a message and screw over these wealthy hedge funds. Critics of those folks on Reddit would say, this is a form of market manipulation. You know, in theory, it's illegal to band together with a bunch of people and, um, 
artificially raise the value of, uh, of stocks prices or something. You know, um, you can't create a political party. I think that is about um, you know make Apple stocks uh, twenty trillion dollars. Yeah, <laughs> even though they're already great. Um, you know, it's illegal. It's market manipulation in theory. And so critics of what's going on with Reddit are saying these people are a form of market manipulation. <laughs> uh, I, just, I just have like the, the, the hedge fund guys in my head being like, dude, that's cheating. <laughs> Even though it's what they, like, it's literally what hedge funds do. That, that's literally what hedge funds do is manipulate the market for them to be profitable at the expense of corporations. There's so many great articles and books out there about how hedge funds have, uh, burned to the ground hundreds of companies you know hundreds of you, you let's go there with that rhetoric hundreds of hard-working men and women hundreds of small businesses in the united states how hedge funds have raised them to the ground just so they could make a few bucks off of their destruction that's what they were trying to do with gamestop by short selling it Exactly. The hedge funds were already doing this. <laughs> so <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to critique the folks on Reddit for saying, I'm going to buy GameStop stock and then post a bunch of meme pictures after it. <laughs> you know, it doesn't make sense to critique them when they are fighting against the very thing that they're being critiqued of. And so, so here's the issue why you brought up Robinhood, Matt, is, you know, Robinhood is one of these many apps uh, that you can download on your phone and become what's called a, a retail trader. That means you, you're not part of any institution. You're just like, you know, I'm me as an individual and I trade stocks through my own money and my own portfolio through, uh, through this application. So uh, Robinhood is one of these companies. There's also like TD Ameritrade. There's Fidelity, you know, there's things like that. Let's, let's talk about Robinhood though, because of their wonderful image that you conjure up of Robinhood, right? Robinhood steals from the rich and gives it back to the poor. Oh, I like that image. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we love that image, you know, yeah, small guy, screw the capitalists and all of their marketing and slogans are all about like the small guy wins. Well, um, as of the date of this recording, Thursday, January 28th, Robinhood, along with TD Ameritrade, have stopped allowing people on their platforms to, uh, to trade in the stocks that these Redditors are going after. So they essentially made it all but impossible for people to trade GameStop stock and also BlackBerry stock and uh, the AMC movie theater stock for other, because the, the Redditors are also going after those to, to prevent them from being screwed over by these hedge fund guys. And I say guys, because they're basically all men. And so- Yeah, we'll call them that. Right. <laughs> and, and so um, <laughs> it, it's, this has gotten a lot of attention from some pretty important people. Rashida Tlaib, a uh, Democrat House Reps member, has tweeted, this is beyond absurd. The Dems on the uh, you know, Federal Securities Commission need to have a hearing on Robin Hood's market manipulation. They're blocking the ability to trade to protect Wall Street hedge funds, stealing millions of dollars from the users to protect people who've used the stock market as a casino for decades. That's Rashida Tlaib's tweet. Uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, another House Reps member, has tweeted about this as well. She tweets, this is unacceptable. We need to know more about Robin Hood's decision to block retail investors from purchasing stock while hedge funds are freely able to trade the stock as they see fit. As a member of the Financial Services Committee, I'd support a hearing. 
And so remember, Robin, you know, th these big hedge fund guys don't use Robinhood. They, they have their own institutions that do the trading and buying and selling for them. So Robinhood's blocking the trading and selling stocks is hitting, is only really impacting the everyday normal people, i.e. those on Reddit who are doing the trading. So they are blocking them out from the free market. Let's go there again. You know, let's do that conservative rhetoric. These hardworking men and women, these small businesses, uh, American free market. All that goes out the window once you start to actually challenge the system and the inherent contradictions. There ain't no free market anymore when you have these companies that say you can't participate in the market. It's not a free market. By the way, we don't have a free market to begin with. The market's never been free. It's all an illusion. It's all controlled by the wealthy and powerful. It's not a free market. It's only free for them. It's socialism for the rich. It's capitalism for the poor. Also, we have Robert Reich. He's the former labor secretary under Bill Clinton. He tweeted about this too. He writes today, January 28th, if Redditors rallying GameStop is unacceptable market manipulation, what would you call it when greedy Wall Street bankers gambled away our entire economy in 2008 and faced no consequences? Instead of pouring billions of dollars into shorting stocks and killing jobs, Wall Street should be investing in emerging te technologies and future jobs. Otherwise, what's the point? Yeah, also investing priority mode. Not only were there no consequences in 2008, but they got bailed out. Yeah. Liter so, and, and, th and this is why the Obama, this is why we got Donald Trump, in my opinion. This is why Evidence of Design started as a radio show 129 episodes ago, is because in 2008 and 2009, with the global financial crisis, you know, the worst economic shock uh, of, of, of generations of a century, it woke up many Americans to the fact that we live in a deeply polarized uh, and unequal economic times. We don't have this radio show, Evidence of Design, in 2005 there were certainly people talking about these things, right? Not only do we not have the show because I was in like, I don't know, the, the, the third grade, but, <laughs> or, you know, the, the fifth grade, but, um, <laughs> but um, also because <clears throat> the global financial crisis opened up public consciousness to the fact that we live in a broken economy. It opened up the 99% versus the 1%. It opened up Occupy Wall Street. It also opened up the rise of Donald Trump. And so the Obama administration comes in, of course, they inherit the worst financial crisis in, in 100 years. And what do they do? Well, instead of actually reforming the system, instead of actually holding the people accountable for what they did, meaning these wealthy hedge funds and bankers who, uh, who, who sold mortgages to Americans knowing they couldn't repay them, and then they bought and sold that debt to each other to make fake money off of people's debt that they can never repay uh, crashed the entire economy. <clears throat> and so instead of holding them accountable, uh, the, the Obama administration bails them out. And uh, Americans recognize that that's deeply unfair. They might not recognize it for the right reasons. And, and this, in my opinion, is how you get Donald Trump to be president. And when you have a, um, a, a stupid, moronic demagogue, you use a bunch of uh, intellectually lazy arguments like uh, brown people and immigrants are stealing our jobs, uh, that, that, that there's a deep state and, and, and other countries are screwing us over. Uh, that's how you get Trumpism. That's how you get QAnon, uh, because the Republican Party and the conservatives are hoodwinking their own followers whom they care nothing about to believe uh, these false problems 
uh, as opposed to the real problems, which is the very institutions that these Republicans and, and even Democrats to uphold, and that's our financial and economic system. So I, I, I want to bring up, Mary, something that was posted on Wall Street Bets today, just, just a thread that is pointing to how this has turned into a global you know, anti-capitalist movement or pro-proletariat movement. And just a reminder again that you tuned into 100.9 FM WXIR. This is evidence of design. We have around 10 minutes left here and I just wanna share, uh, there's this one thread on Reddit today in the Wall Street Bets subreddit that's titled, uh, it's by someone by the name of Substantial Tent. <laughs> and um, <laughs> the, the, the title is Americans can't buy GameStop. Uh, help is on the way, Canadians. We have no such restrictions. Buy all the GameStop stock you can. I paraphrase that title. And so some of the comments in the thread, it, it's so beautiful. It says, we got your back, Americans. Europeans rally together. Let's buy that stock. Cavalry from Asia and Europe are here too. Buying from Sweden. Kazakhstan here, only two shares, but I'm doing my part. Canada is buying. Canada here, doing my part from New Zealand, doing my part from India, help from the UK, Netherlands here, Brazil here, Romania here, Denmark reporting in, Australia got you too, Lithuania got you too, Americans, Mexicans, we're here too. And it goes on and on. There's, there's 20,000 comments of, um, of people buying GameStop stock all across the world. I mean, supposedly, you know, it's all on the internet. So, but um, I, I don't think this is 20,000 Russian bots faking this. Um, and it, Will this actually cause capitalism to crumble? Is it actually doing anything beyond inspiring our imagination? I don't know. But if all we get out of this is is inspiration through the imagination, that is immeasurably important. And I think that's a really, really beautiful thing, uh, the stuff that I just read there. And it's really quite powerful. I would like to point out that a lot of the people who are posting on Reddit about um, some of them have sold their shares. They're all saying things like, oh, I finally got to pay off my student loans or oh, I'm finally able to get the medication to treat my sister's Lyme disease. And you just know that like that's in uh, compare that to like what all these hedge fund managers are, would have been doing with that money, which is like, oh, I finally get to get that uh, that bathtub made out of orphan's teeth. <laughs> I can finally get my greenhouse of exotic birds. <laughs> so I can punch to death. <laughs> just, you know, I my twenty car garage. It's it's getting cramped in here. <laughs> it's just how gotta you, build the twenty five car garage. You know, Mar-a-Lago is going to be underwater in two years. I'm going to have to build another one more inland. On top of it. <laughs> Mar-a-Lago high-rise. <laughs> all, these, all these morons with their, with their homes on the, on the coastline. <laughs> going to have to move inwards in 20 years. That's its own scam. Flood yeah. insurance is great. I, <laughs> it's why you know, everyone's talking about Trump moving back to Mar-a-Lago. He's not going to be there long. Have you looked at the map of where Mar-a-Lago is? It's on like an, an isthmus in, in Florida. It's not going to be there long. Uh, it's just, yeah, Matt, that, that's that's really, really powerful. Um, I've been reading those posts too uh, of people, you know, they're posting screenshots, literally posting screenshots of, of um, you know, their, their confirmation page from uh, federal student loans. 
saying, I just paid off $27,000 in student loans from, from this GameStop stock stuff. Thank you so much. You know, I thought I'd be, I thought I'd have this debt forever. That God, God is that powerful. And, uh, you know, if, if we're not going to get this help from our government, which we haven't been for decades, then uh, it's what causes people to turn to, turn to, turn to conspiracy and turn to rage. You know? um, and so if, if it's a bunch of meme lords on Reddit who are able to, uh, whether or not they actually end up making a few bucks, you know, if other people get to, if other everyday regular, regular struggling people who are the vast majority of Americans make a few bucks along the way, I'm all done with that. So we'll have to keep our eyes on this story. I'm sure a lot will have changed by the time this airs. Again, we've recorded on evidence of design on 100.9 FM WXIR. We've recorded on Thursday, January 28th. This is first airing Saturday, January 30th. So a lot might have changed. We'll see if the... Um, the Federal Trade Commission uh, will end up doing any sort of oversight on this. The, uh, there's already a clash action lawsuit filed against Robinhood, among others, for barring trading, because th that doesn't seem right in, a, in a, you know, a free market economy. And Matt, I don't know if it's worth getting into this, but you, you share with me uh, an interview on CNBC today with these two brothers who happen to be the Winklevoss twins, <laughs> the Winklevoss twins, they're founders of Gemini. Uh, yeah. They, they, they go back with like Facebook and Bitcoin and all sorts of things. Right. So they're, they're really big into cryptocurrency and um, it really is a remarkable interview. I don't really have to have it to share, but if you Google CNBC Winklevoss twins full interview, it's about 12 minutes long. Uh, they are, you know, they're, they're brought on to CNBC, which is the mainstream media's. <laughs> it's, a, it's a program called Squawk Alley. <laughs> and they, they talk about. Stocks. Stocks. <laughs> they squawk about the stocks. <laughs> and then they brought these Winklevoss brothers on to get their input on this whole Reddit thing. And uh, the Winkle, I don't know if they, the, these, the Squawk Alley hosts expected the Winklevoss twins to say what they did, but the Winklevoss twins were essentially saying, yeah, go Reddit, screw these hedge fund guys for being idiots, um, all for this. Also, we're not then. <laughs> yeah. We're not the ones losing money here. And so uh, they, they, uh, how the journalists responded to these Winklevoss twins is is remarkable they they sort of really outright attacked them they interrupted them they yelled over them they were just acting very oddly like just watching it was like is this is this actually on live tv from you know journalist is very uh is very um uh, generous the term jason yeah chill is much more appropriate yeah and it just like it watching that is just a great indicator of like where their interests lie you know in, in upholding the absurdity and the made-upness of our financial institutions. 
that that was uh, I think just a revealing uh, part of the story. Another revealing part of the story later on CNBC the same day, which again is Thursday, January twenty eighth. They interviewed oh I don't remember his name. Just uh, I don't even I don't even care what his name is. He he runs some part of the the commodities exchange system or whatever the brokerage services to buy and sell stocks and bonds. And this guy was on to say, yeah, you know, we support Robinhood shutting down some of these trades and you know we want to do it ourselves too because um uh, we have to ensure the the uh the market against volatility we have to ensure the free market against volatility and all of this sort of nonsense about protecting the free market which um is just completely made up and it just goes to show like the people in charge of these financial systems doing anything they can to justify their ability to squeeze every last bit of toothpaste out of that toothpaste tube that you have on your counter for like months longer than it should be. And you end up like rolling it up and like putting heavy things on it and like punching it just to like squeeze out that last dab of toothpaste. That's essentially what capitalism is now on the planet, which is just like squeeze out every last raw material that you can come up with until there's just nothing left, man. And that's what, that's what these people are doing. It, it seems to me. I always think of a, uh the first dead space game where they have the planet cracking business where they literally <laughs> blow up a hole in a planet and mine it for raw materials <laughs> because earth is a desolate wasteland <laughs> <laughs> it's like all these people on on like twitter and and, and squawk alley that are upset <laughs> about these reddit users they're like well, what about Melbourne Capital? <laughs> we can't have these guys lose money. These billionaires. <laughs> yeah, th- th- this this guy, this insurance guy. I don't remember his name. He- he's worth fifteen point five billion dollars. <laughs> like he's. I don't care about what you have to say, man. You know, if you're worth a billion, if you're worth fifteen billion dollars, your yeah, interests you, don't align with you're, mine. You're you're worse than like most serial killers. Like you, your your money alone could fund healthcare for so many Americans. You know what I mean? Like I, I really, you're in fundamentally your interests don't align with mine. You know, I might sit next to you at church, but other than that, like we don't have much in common, probably. You know, uh, uh, well, we we could even go. I I know we have like one minute left. We 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 could even go more um more generalizable than 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 Dead Space, which is the game a lot of people might not have played, but still a great game. Um the, how about that new Star Wars with the new order and how they, they use a Death Star that like fires a beam that kills planets to like yeah. like <laughs> they like suck the life out of planets to blow up other planets. Like that's gonna be that's gonna be like what major corporations do in you know in two hundred years if we're all still alive then is just that's that's good instead of playing golf that the, all these people will just be blowing up planets <laughs> it's just all in one man well they'll, they'll still be playing golf they'll just be playing golf on the planet that's devouring the other planet yeah it's good stuff. Hey, let's keep following these stories. Uh, let's keep rooting for the vast majority of Americans who are laborers against the interests of capital and ensure that we actually live in a society that looks out for the interests of human beings and recognizes each human's inherent dignity more so than the interests of money. Because money doesn't really exist, folks. Human lives, human dignity, it does. So we got to end our show here on 100.9 FM WXIR. This was Evidence of Design. Thanks for tuning in.
You can always find our past episodes on YouTube by searching for the Evidence of Design YouTube channel. You can also find our past episodes anywhere you get your podcasts by searching for Evidence of Design. You can also stay stay in touch with us on Facebook and Twitter at Radio EOD or emailing us at radioeod at gmail.com. The EOD, of course, stands for Evidence of Design. I was your host, Jason Taylor, joined also by my good friends and co-hosts, Matt Treadwell. So long. And Mary Lawrence. See you on the stock market. Yeah. Until next time, folks, be well, be safe, take care. Let's go to the moon. And bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>